Well, hello. Great to be here with you. Thank you. So good to be here at our Legacy Campus. I'm normally out at Sloan Creek, but it's great to be here this morning with you. And I want to do a shout out to everybody over at Woodbridge, everybody at Richardson, everybody in our In Espanol campus. If you're watching online or you're podcasting, we are so glad that you're part of our community. And I've got to say a special shout out to our Sloan Creek people. I am, it has been such a joy and such a privilege to be a part of that campus for the last five years. Love them, and uh, I love being here. I'm looking forward to being back at Sloan Creek next week. Well, we are going on in our series about home team, and this has been where a series where we're looking at our key relationships. We're looking at how do we enhance and how do we add value to our key relationships. And so we've gone this progression of dating to marriage, and now we're talking about parenting. And I've had the privilege for the last 27 years to be a parent. Uh, my wife, Kathy, and I have three grown kids. And we actually welcomed our first two grandchildren this past year, which is mind-blowing. Yes, thank you. Here's a little trivia for you. Grandparents who are out there, today is Grandparents' Day. We get a day. So happy Grandparents' Day to all my fellow grandparents. I want to show you a picture of my family. Last weekend, we had the opportunity to celebrate my parents' 60th wedding anniversary. And uh, wow, what an incredible blessing for our family, for my parents to, to be a part of that, for them to be here and, and just to celebrate them. You'll see a picture of my two grandkids, my, uh, my kids, my daughter-in-law, my son-in-law, just a real blessing last weekend. We were up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. If you haven't been there, a great place uh, to hang out. Well, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I'm not a parent. What's this got to do with me? I want to encourage you to hang in there. Because this series has all been about relationships, and today's message is really about relationships. Yes, we're going to be talking about parenting specifically, but I think some of the things we're going to talk about are going to be vital for all of our relationships, and so I'll ask that you hang in there with me. If you're here and you are not a parent yet, or you're thinking it about it or considering it, I want to give you a little insight into parenting before we kick off today. If you're not a parent, I want you to imagine for a minute that you take a new job and you show up the first day. You have absolutely no experience. You get zero training. Um, you are forbidden from quitting. Innocent, fragile lives are at stake here. That's what parenting is like. It really is. Uh, I love what Jerry Seinfeld, how he describes parenting. He says, having a two-year-old is like having a blender, but you don't have a top for it. <laughs> the journalist Doug Larson says, few things are more satisfying than seeing your children have teenagers of their own. Robert Orban, who was a speechwriter for Gerald Ford, gave this wisdom to parents on disciplining their kids. He said, never raise your hand to your children. It leaves your midsection unprotected. <laughs> and then finally, I saw this meme last week, and I thought, yeah, this is the best description of parenting. And it was this friend asking, what is parenting like? And then the answer you know all the side effects they list on prescription drug commercials? 
It's like that. Parenting is great. Parenting is hard. There are a lot of ups and downs. But the thing about parenting is it is a great privilege. It is a high honor. And I am so blessed to have that privilege in my life. And like any other privilege, with it comes high responsibilities. The Bible does not leave us alone as parents here. They does not leave us on our own. It gives us great instruction. And we're going to be looking at some of those things today. One thing I want to start with, though, and this is very similar to what Jeff has talked about just in marriage, in dating and in marriage, is though no matter what relationship that we want to enhance, there's one relationship that needs to be a priority for all of us before we think about the relationship we're going to talk about. And that is this. We need to make our own relationship with God a priority. Parents, that is so true for you and I. In all the research and all the study that I've done about parenting and child development, one of the things that I have learned is that somewhere between 70 and 80% of all learning that happens before the age of 18 is through observation, observational learning. So if our kids are not seeing our relationship with God as a priority in our lives first, then it's going to be impossible for us to help them make that a priority in their life other than God doing an incredible work, which he totally can. But the Bible gives us some specific instruction about this. And this may be a passage that you're familiar with. It's talked about a lot when we talk about parenting. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Parents, that first part of that passage is talking to you and I. That our relationship, our love of God, we need to love him with all our hearts, with our souls, with all our strength. And then we are to teach our children these things. And then it goes, goes on to say there, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Making our relationship with God a priority as parents is probably the most important thing that we can do and important gift that we can give our kids while they're at home. Wouldn't it be great if we had a manual, if we were given a manual that told us how to raise our kids. Wouldn't it be great if we're walking out of the hospital, we're carrying that newborn child out of the hospital, and the nurse comes running down the hall, and, Mr. Martin, you forgot your manual. There isn't one of those. I'm sorry to say, I wish there was, and I wish we had one for each kid, because it would be different for each kid. But there is some good news in this, and the good news is that we have a perfect model that we can look at. We have a perfect model for parenting that I want to share with you today. And that perfect model is God himself. Have you ever thought of God as a parent? Have you ever looked at him that way? Well, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In those four books alone, God is referred to as Father over 165 times. He is our Father. 
And then I love how the Apostle Paul teaches us about viewing God as a father. Look at this passage with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That Greek term, Abba, is a term that Paul uses in that passage. Jesus also used that same term to refer to God. And the best translation that we have for that term, it's a very intimate word. It's a very affectionate term. And the best translation we have is daddy. Abba, daddy. That is how we are to view God as this good father. There is a... a, a pastor in New York by the name of Tim Keller, and he describes this idea of seeing God as Father this way. He says, if we understand that God is our Father, we know that we are absolutely safe with Him and that we will always have a home with Him. Once we realize this, we can form a covenant with God and celebrate in His love for us. Here's the thing, parents. God is the perfect parent. He has modeled parenting for us perfectly. And so if he's a perfect parent, then we ought to, we ought to imitate that. Our best parenting happens when we treat our kids the way God treats us. I remember this concept Uh, of hearing about treating our kids the way God treats us. Over 15 years ago, I was attending a conference, and it was called the Grace-Based Parenting Conference, put on by Family Matters. And the speaker that day was Dr. Tim Kimmel. And there is a book, by the way, called Grace-Based Parenting that Dr. Kimmel wrote. And if you don't have that on your reading list, parents, put it on your reading list. It is a great book. But I remember that concept, hearing that concept for the first time. And I will tell you this, and I'm not over-exaggerating here. I think part of the reason I'm even here is because I heard that message. It literally changed my life. It changed not only how I was going to parent my three kids from that point forward. It changed me. It changed how I viewed my relationship with God, how he views me and how he sees me. And I love that message, and I love giving that message Because here's the thing, our relationship with God is 100% based on His grace. There is absolutely nothing that we do that earns the right for us to be adopted by God and to be able to call Him Daddy or Father. It is because of His grace. And if it's because of His grace that we have a relationship with Him, then let's base our parenting on that same kind of relationship. Some of you might hear the term grace as it refers to parenting, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, that means I've got to be nice to my kids, or that means I've got to be my kid's best friend, or okay, I guess I can't discipline my kids. That is a wrong understanding of grace. That is not what grace means. What does grace mean? 
Grace means unmerited favor. It means unconditional love. That unmerited favor means that we have God's favor, but we don't earn it. We don't deserve it, but we have it anyway. Unconditional love means no matter what I've done, no matter what's happened to me, no matter what choices I have made, I cannot make God love me more and I cannot make him love me less than he does right now. That is what unconditional love is and that is what grace is. The Bible tells us that despite our mistakes, despite our disappointments, despite the, the, the mistakes that we make in our life, God loves us, loves us unconditionally. But the Bible also tells us that God disciplines those he loves. And so discipline is also a way that we treat our kids with grace. And I'll expand on that here in just a little bit. You know, Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. But the thing about Jesus, the the interactions that he had with people while he was here on earth, he always led with grace. He always approached a situation or an encounter with people in a very grace-filled way. And I love the example that we have of that in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, it's this encounter, this description of an encounter with a woman who is caught in adultery. And Jesus comes onto the scene when the religious leaders of the day, who all thought that they were better than everybody else, they were getting ready to stone this woman. They were getting ready to kill her for her sin. And Jesus comes into this situation. And Jesus literally saves her life. He, he comes into this situation and he says to the, the religious leaders, hey, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all drop their stones and they leave. And then, the, then he asks the woman, where are the people who condemn you? And then he says, woman, I don't condemn you either. And then Jesus turns that from this grace-filled encounter to an opportunity to speak truth into her life. And he says, go and sin no more. And she receives that because of the relationship Jesus has built with her. He is able to do that, uh, deliver truth to her at that point. And that's what Jesus did all throughout the Bible. That's his approach. You know, at Chase Oaks, we have a way of reminding ourselves about leading with grace. And that's a statement that you'll hear here often. It's come as you are. And what we're saying when we say come as you are is we all can only come to God as we are. He receives us. He accepts us. His arms are wide open. So come as you are. And then we have a statement that reminds us of the truth piece of this. It is be transformed. Receive the truth of God in an atmosphere of grace. And you and I will be transformed by the truth of scripture by by the love of Jesus by the grace of God we are transformed and i love how we remind ourselves of that all the time so parents here's what i want us to think about in our homes is i want us to think about creating an atmosphere of grace let me give an illustration that might help you understand what i mean by an atmosphere of grace 
I want you to pretend with me for a minute, okay? This is going to be a stretch that I'm asking you to do. But I'm, I want you to pretend that what I'm talking about up here, that what I'm teaching today is the best content that you've ever heard, okay? It's the best content that ever came from this stage. You're going to have to pretend hard, okay? But I want you to pretend with me. Let's say it's just great content. But the temperature in this room was, is the same as it's going to be at 4 o'clock this afternoon. The only thing that you would be thinking is, i got to get out of here. I wish this guy would shut up. Which, you might be thinking that anyway, but, but just go with me. If, if the environment in this room was as hot as it is outside, it doesn't matter what I teach. It doesn't matter what I say. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to receive it because you're going to be so uncomfortable. If our homes are the same way, if we have not created an atmosphere of grace, a, a home that is inviting, a home that is in welcoming, a home that is accepting, and a home that gives good boundaries and good discipline in that environment, it doesn't matter what we teach our kids or what tools we try to instill in them. We won't be setting them up as best as we can to receive truth and to receive what God wants to teach them through us. When we have created an environment of grace in our home, the same kind of grace that God treats us with, when that's happening in our home, we are able to meet the three most important needs that every child has, that your child has, that my child has, that all of us in this room have. And these three most significant inner needs are here. There is a need for security. There is a need for significance. And there is a need for strength. And when I say a need for strength, I'm talking about a sufficiency for their future. A strength that they will need when it comes to the time of life when they leave our homes. Having that strength for them. And when we best kind of pave the way and meet the needs for our kids when we have that atmosphere of grace. Ultimately... What we want to do and have happen is that our kids transfer receiving these needs from us in our home to receiving these needs from God, their father, their Abba. That's our goal as parents. Now, the scary thing about these three needs is there's someone who knows these needs better than anybody else, and that is Satan himself. Satan knows these needs. He, know, he wants to fulfill these needs in your kids, and he wants to fulfill them in illegitimate ways, in ways that God did not intend for them to be met. An important element to meeting these needs, and, and really this, this first one, this need for security, is what I just talked about before, and, and that is setting healthy boundaries and giving discipline to our kids. Discipline and boundaries are a great way for us to give our kids security. It tells them that we care enough, that we love them enough, we care about their well-being, and we want to provide direction for them. This answers a question for a kid, am I safe? Think about the first thing they do with a baby when, they, when it's born, right out of the mother's womb. 
they, they do one of two things. They either swaddle it, wrap it up like a burrito in a, in a blanket, or they give it to the mother for skin-to-skin time and, and to hold it really close. That child needs to be and feel secure. And, and that's one of the most primary needs that there is. When we treat our kids like God treats us, we graciously admonish them. We set boundaries for them that we keep consistent, that we enforce consistently in their lives. Here's what the Bible says. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, talks about discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They, being our human fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Jeff is going to be talking a whole lot more about discipline. We're going to continue this parenting part of home team over the next two weeks. And Jeff next week is going to be talking about discipline a lot more. And so I'll just say a few more things, but I will say please don't miss that opportunity to hear Jeff do that. And it's also a reminder for me just to, um, I, I want to encourage you, this is a side note, I want to encourage you to make an investment in your key relationships. We have a conference coming up in two weeks called the Family Now Conference. And I want to encourage everybody here to attend that conference. It's going to be a great investment of your time and into an investment into your key relationships. Unbelievable speakers that are going to be there. Um, unbelievable content that we're all going to get. And I just want to remind everyone of that. Well, let's get back to boundaries here for a second. The boundaries that we, that we set for our kids and, and the boundaries and discipline that we give them are a lot like a guardrail on a highway. I love showing this picture when I talk to parents and I'm talking about boundaries because this is a great example of boundaries and discipline in our lives. When we look at this picture in particular, it's a beautiful scene, a beautiful destination where this road is leading to, a winding road, a, uh, a beautiful road. I'm sure this is a great drive, but along the way are these guardrails. And that's what life is like. That's what God does for us, and that's what we do as parents for our kids, is we provide protection and direction, just like guardrails do on a winding road. You look at this road, and you might be driving on this road, and the, the guardrails may seem inconvenient, or they, may, they might seem a little obtrusive to a beautiful scenery. But they're there because the engineer who decided where they needed to go knew the dangers that lie on the other side of those guardrails. And so, parents, we have that, that experience. We have that life experience that helps us set healthy boundaries for our kids and to discipline them when they break through those boundaries. 
The writer, the Christian writer Josh McDowell, he's a great speaker, great writer. Any parenting book that Josh McDowell has written, I would highly recommend. But Josh has this saying, and I love this saying. It's always stuck with me. And it's this, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. So when we discipline and set rules for our kids and we have not created an atmosphere of grace, we've not cultivated that relationship in a loving way, then rules lead to rebellion for our kids. Now, we might do everything right as a parent. We may provide the perfect environment for our kids to be raised in, and we may teach them everything they need to know. And I want to encourage parents who are here, if, if you've done a great job of parenting or you've done your best, but your kids have made some bad choices, your kids have, have gone off track a little bit, or, or maybe you've raised your kids like me and you're, a, you're an empty nester and your kids are not following Jesus, hear me say this. Please be encouraged by this. God is a perfect parent, but even his kids rebel. Even his kids get off track. God gave us something, and I don't know why he gave it to us, but he did give it to us, and it's called free will. Our kids also have free will. We can do everything right, and they can still make bad choices, and a lot of times they do. And that's another reason we need to have this atmosphere of grace where they can return, where they can come back, and they can find open arms. Another way that we meet our kids' primary needs is by giving them Unconditional love, holding no records or accounts. This TV loves this guardrails picture. Here we go. Grace loves unconditionally and holds no records or accounts. This is truly fascinating to me when I think about God's love and relationship with us. This is not human nature. We do not love unconditionally on our own. To love someone without condition, to love someone with no promise of a return of love, or someone who, who is, is being mean to us or, or not doing the things we want them to do and giving that love anyway, that's what God does for us. When we give love unconditionally, when we hold no record or accounts, just like God doesn't for us, we set up our kids for great great opportunity to have thriving relationships and the thriving relationship with God. Grace uncovers the gifting and uniqueness of each child. Parents, it is up to us to try to help our kids figure out what their gifting, what their God-given abilities are. It helps us as parents answer this question for our kids. Why am I here? And more importantly, it answers this question for them. What value does my life have? I mean, I hear stories about suicides. I hear stories about kids um, doing reckless things with their lives. And I think to myself, they don't understand the value that their life is. God has given every one of us great value in our lives. And it is up to us to help our kids discover that. There's nothing more significant we can do to, to help our kids find purpose in life than helping them find their God-given abilities. 
I love how in Psalm chapter 139, the psalmist says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What a great thing for our kids to know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, how do you know what your kids' God-given abilities are? How do, how do we discover that? Well, let me ask you this question. And as a parent, what annoys you the most about your kids? That can be a really good clue into well, how God has gifted them, how God has kind of made them unique. And uh, that's, that's been totally true in my life. Um, if you're here at Legacy... One of the beautiful ladies that led us in worship is my daughter, Hannah. And Hannah has been such a joy in our lives. She's also been that child that expressed her gifts loudly. Let me just say that. From a very young age, about the age of three, we discovered that Hannah had a gift of performing and singing. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think I thought it was a gift at the time, all right? Um, today I think it's a gift. I got to see her leading worship, so it was a gift. But that gift normally would come out at very inconvenient times for my wife and I. Usually in a quiet room when things were supposed to be quiet, um, Hannah would decide the attention of the room wasn't on her, and she needed to, to regain the attention, and so she'd sing loudly. Or it happened often after our bedtime, after everyone's bedtime, we would hear Hannah singing. I want to show you a picture of Hannah real quickly that best describes her personality for her mom and I at the age of four. (laughs) This is Hannah's vacation Bible school picture at four years old. Um, We were new. We had just moved to Houston. Uh, We went to, we had just moved literally the week before. We found this church having a VBS and we showed up there with Hannah. So we go on parents night uh, and we see this picture plastered up on the wall of Hannah. And I don't think Hannah took a normal picture before the age of 12. Um, It was great, but she's been such a joy. And it's been great to see those gifts come out. and, And like I said today, just seeing her use those gifts to bring praises to God. Focusing on our kids' strengths rather than their weaknesses is one of the ways that we help develop these God-given gifts. I think so often as parents, we want our kids to excel at everything. In fact, I think sometimes because of our own fears, we, do, we overdo this. We, we want them to excel at everything. We don't want them to fail at anything. Well, the reality, reality is they won't. And they can't excel at everything. That's not how God made them. He made them specifically to fulfill a purpose here on earth. I think telling a child that they can be whoever or whatever they want to be in life is bad advice. I think it's bad for their development as a child. Rather, as parents who have a front row seat to their life, we ought to be speaking into their gifting. We ought to be helping them develop and refine the gifts that God has put in them. And I think that's an important piece for us. The other thing about that, um, for finding that unique purpose, is our kids encouraging them to use their gifts for God's purposes. One of the ways that we do that is by doing this. We help them find strength, And we encourage a life of adventure 
for them. Encouraging a life of adventure for our kids is not a safe life. In fact, our fears, our own fears as parents, a lot of times keep us from helping our kids live a life of adventure. Jesus talked about this, them, this himself when he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life that is truly life is an adventurous life. And we can help our kids live that way. I think far too often we will put them in a bubble or we will overprotect them or protect them for too long. And that can inhibit them from living a life of strength. I think also as parents, and I'm as guilty as anyone of this one, is we protect our kids from the consequences of bad choices for far too long. God allows for trials and tribulations and disappointments and setbacks in our life, and they're used for a purpose. They're used to draw us closer to Him, to help us rely on Him more. And I think when we protect our kids from some of the consequences of bad choices, what we end up doing is we keep... We keep God from being able to use those things in their lives to draw them to him. Our goal is for our kids to see God as their Abba, as their good father who has loving open arms receiving them, loving them despite their disappointments, but also teaching them truth and teaching them the correct way to do things and to view things. I want to read an article. Actually, I'll just summarize this article for you. I read it a few years ago, and it was very helpful for me as uh, I was making some decisions for my kids. My wife and I were making some decisions for our kids and and deciding whether or not to allow them to do some things. And the, the, the title of the article was The Role of Wind in a Tree's Life. So there's this experiment out in the Arizona desert called the biosphere. And then there was Biosphere 2. And in Biosphere 2, scientists wanted to kind of recreate the planet's environmental system in this dome where they could control every element. And what they discovered was something that nobody had, had thought about. Nobody, nobody thought that this would be a discovery that they make, but it was the key discovery. And what happened was they, they planted trees in Biosphere 2. And the trees grew really quickly and really healthy and and came to maturity very fast. But then something happened as they matured. They started toppling over. These, These beautiful trees that had this perfect environment started falling. And what they discovered was there was no wind in the biosphere. There was nothing that would cause any stress to the trees. And so the trees fell over because they had failed to develop what scientists had discovered was something called reaction wood or stress wood. Have you ever seen a tree growing out in the wild that's growing sideways or it's growing at weird angles, but yet it somehow stays up? The reason it's able to stay up is because of stress wood. And wind causes stress in a tree. And and when there's no wind, there's no stress wood. And so the same is true in our kids' life. When we protect them from the consequences, when we shield them from some of the bad choices in that, we actually are are inhibiting their strength, a strength that they will need beyond our homes, a strength they will need when times get tough 
and they're not at home and parents aren't there to rescue them. That's the kind of strength that we need to be building into our kids. Dr. Kimmel in that same conference made this quote at the end, and I use this quote often. He says, God has not called us to raise safe kids. He has called us to raise strong kids. Loving our kids well means not parenting with fear, but parenting with grace. And many times our fears will prevent us and our kids from preparing them for the world outside of our home. I can tell you as a parent who has launched three kids, and I'll say this with a lot of conviction, I would much rather launch strong kids, kids who are prepared and well-equipped, than kids who have been overprotected and put in a bubble. That's the kind of kids, that's the kind of adults that our kids become that this world needs. And I want to challenge every one of you who are parents here, every one of you who have influence in kids' lives, Let's raise strong and adventurous kids. Kids who know God as their Abba. Kids who know they have a purpose and a meaning. Kids that know they are unconditionally loved. Kids that know their life has great value and purpose. That's the kind of kids that God wants us to raise. He is the perfect model as a parent. Let's treat our kids the way God treats us, with grace. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, what a privilege it is to be a parent. Father, I don't know why you entrusted the future and the next generation to people like me. But I thank you that you gave me that privilege and you gave me that honor Father, help me to, to take my responsibility as a, as a dad, as a parent, to take it seriously and, and to love my kids and treat them the way that you treat me. Father, it is only because of your grace that we have a relationship with you. It is because of your grace that you love us, that you teach us, that you admonish us. And Father, I want to pray for every child that is represented in this room by parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, and teachers and those who instruct. God, I pray your blessing on all of us. Would you give us strength? Would you give us hope? Would you help us to overcome our own fears so that we might teach our kids to trust you, to love you, and to live an adventurous life, life that is truly life? Father, more than anything, I pray that all of our children would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They would know you, Father, as their Abba. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.